Welcome to Current Radio's Sports Station. Please enjoy today's selection of sports news. Well, Helena, it seems like we have a potential heavyweight showdown on our hands. Sources have told ESPN that Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are set to fight on March 9th in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Indeed, Stephen. But there's a catch. Both fighters need to come out victorious and uninjured from separate bouts on December 23rd in Riyadh. Joshua is up against Otto Wallen, while Wilder is set to face former title holder Joseph Parker. And it's not a given that Joshua and Wilder will win these bouts. These are not just preludes to the main event, but potential game changers. Eddie Hearn, Joshua's longtime promoter, emphasized that while talks are ongoing, the contracts aren't signed yet. Right. And it's interesting how this whole setup was proposed by the Saudis. Joshua, who's known to never turn down a fight, is going against Wallen, a southpaw, on six weeks' notice. Not ideal, but it seems the Saudis are quite keen on this fight. And let's not forget the recent bout in Riyadh, where Tyson Fury had a close call against Francis Ngannou, a former UFC star-turned-boxer. Fury managed to score a split-decision victory, but it was a tougher fight than expected. Absolutely. And Joshua, who's ESPN's number four heavyweight, is just a 425 favorite against Wallen. He'll be trained by Ben Davison for the first time after two bouts with Derek James. Joshua's career has been a bit of a roller coaster. True, his career best win was back in 2017 against Vladimir Klitschko. But since his TKO loss to Andy Ruiz in 2019, Joshua hasn't quite been the same. He managed to regain his titles in a rematch with Ruiz, but then suffered back-to-back -back decision losses to Usyk. And on the other side, we have Wilder, ESPN's number three heavyweight, who's a negative 700 favorite to defeat Parker. Wilder is known for his knockout power, with all but one of his victories coming via KO. Absolutely. And despite being winless in his trilogy with Fury, Wilder is a force to be reckoned with. He floored Fury four times across the first and third bouts. His third fight with Fury, which he lost, was named ESPN's Fight of the Year and KO of the Year. And let's not forget about Parker, who's rated number eight by ESPN at heavyweight. He's had his share of victories, but also suffered a knockout loss to Joe Joyce in 2022. Yes, it's going to be interesting to see how these bouts play out. As Hearn said, if Joshua and Wilder both win, we could be in for one of the biggest showdowns in boxing. Speaking of heavyweight showdowns, the heat can sometimes spill over from the ring to the court. In a recent NBA game, a record-breaking performance led to an unexpected post-match confrontation. Let's dive into this intriguing story. So, Helena, it seems the heat of the game between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Indiana Pacers extended beyond the court, didn't it? Indeed, Stephen. After a record-breaking 64-point performance by Bucks Gianni Santetacampo, there was quite a ruckus over the game ball, of all things. Ah, the coveted game ball. Apparently, it was taken by the Pacers for Oscar Chibwe, who scored his first official NBA point in the contest. But Giannis had other plans, it seems. Yes, he was not too pleased about it. He and several of his teammates stormed the Pacers' locker room in search of the ball, leading to a rather heated confrontation. And it wasn't just a war of words, was it? Pacers general manager Chad Buchanan got elbowed in the ribs amidst the chaos. Quite an unfortunate incident indeed. Even Bucks guard Cameron Payne admitted there was a lot of commotion. But he defended Giannis, saying he just wanted his ball. And why did Giannis want the ball? Not for himself, but for his teammate Damian Lillard, 
who made his 2,451st career three-pointer, surpassing Kyle Korver for the fifth place in NBA history. A commendable sentiment, but it didn't stop the confusion over who ended up with the actual game ball. Giannis himself admitted that the ball he had didn't feel like the game ball. It's a shame that such an incident overshadowed Giannis's record-breaking performance. He broke the team record of 57 points set by Michael Redd in 2006. Incredible indeed. Bucks coach Adrian Griffin praised Giannis for his talent, ability, and will to win. He even said he was unaware Giannis had scored 50 until one of the coaches informed him. And let's not forget, Giannis made NBA history as the first player to make at least 20 field goals and 20 free throws in a game while shooting at least 70% on each. Truly a performance to remember, despite the post-game drama. While we're still on the topic of NBA, let's shift our focus from the courtside drama to the actions on the court itself. It appears that not all players are keeping their cool during the heat of the game. Let's delve into another incident that's been making headlines recently. Let's pivot to the NBA now, Helena. It seems Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors is stirring up controversy again. This time, he reportedly struck Phoenix Suns' Joseph Nurkic in the face. That's right, Stephen. The incident has been replaying across screens everywhere. Green described the flagrant foul as an accident, even calling it bad luck. But his lack of remorse, particularly with Nurkic lying face down on the court, is... It's quite troubling, isn't it? And it's not the first time. Let's not forget his five-game suspension for grabbing Minnesota Timberwolves' Rudy Gobert by the neck. His response to that was, I don't live my life with regrets. Indeed. And now, with this indefinite suspension, it seems the NBA is trying to address the root cause of his actions. They're making it their business to intervene. Right. And it's not just about the incident with Nurkic. Green's also had run-ins with Domantas Sabanis of the Sacramento Kings and even his own teammate, Jordan Poole. The Warriors have had to apologize for him on numerous occasions. It's become almost routine. Yes, and it's not just about issuing apologies, but also about the lack of change in Green's behavior. Despite the technical fouls, fines, and suspensions, his actions haven't varied much. He doesn't appear to be showing much remorse. That's the crux of it. The NBA's new suspension process is trying to address this. It's intentionally vague, perhaps to allow for a more nuanced response than just ramping up penalties, which clearly hasn't been working. And now NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and Executive Vice President Joe Dumars are stepping in, trying to help Green break this cycle. It's an unusual move, but it seems they're trying to make this the last suspension of Green's career. It's certainly a bold move. And it's not just about Green, it's about setting a precedent for the league and its players. The question is, will it work? Only time will tell, Stephen. But it's clear that the NBA is trying to take a more proactive approach to player behavior and discipline. It's definitely a situation we'll be keeping an eye on. From one court to another, let's shift our focus from the NBA's disciplinary actions to the excitement brewing in college football. The SEC has just made some big announcements about the upcoming season that has fans on the edge of their seats. All right, Helena, let's talk college football. The SEC has just released the schedules for all 16 of its member schools. There are a few dates that have fans buzzing already. Indeed, Stephen. One of those dates to look forward to is September 28th for the Georgia-Alabama matchup. That's going to be a game to watch. 
Absolutely. And let's not forget about the newcomers to the conference, Oklahoma and Texas. They're bringing a new dynamic to the mix. Yes, and while Texas won't be facing Alabama in the regular season, they do have a huge home game against Georgia on October 19th, and Oklahoma's hosting Alabama on November 23rd. Which could potentially decide who makes it to the SEC championship game. It's going to be an exciting season. Definitely. But let's break down a few of these schedules. Alabama's season is starting off with Western Kentucky on August 31st, and then South Florida on September 7th. Yes, and they've got a bye on September 21st before that much-anticipated game against Georgia on the 28th. It's going to be a big month for them. And on the other hand, we have Arkansas starting their season against Arkansas Pine Bluff, then facing Oklahoma State. They've got a bye on October 12th before facing LSU on the 19th. And let's not forget about Auburn. They're opening their season against Alabama A&M, then facing Cal and New Mexico. Their first big test will be against Arkansas on September 21st. Right, and Georgia's season opener is against Clemson on August 31st. They've got a bye on September 21st before the big game against Alabama on the 28th. It's going to be a thrilling season, Helena. With the addition of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, we're going to see some exciting matchups and potentially some upsets along the way.